following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, CLC. High five somebody and say, I'm glad to see you in God's house. Would you do that? Such a great delight to be back uh, at a place that is so very special to both Sherry and myself. And Pastor Reed, thank you for such a kind introduction. And um, Pastor Rex assured me last evening that he would be tuning in to this service online today. Uh, uh, does that surprise any of us in this room that uh, even on vacation that uh, our pastor uh, uh, is taking time this morning uh, to just go to church with us and to be a part of what's going on here at CLC. And we're so delighted that he and his family are away a few days and allowing them to have their summer vacation. I hope you have had or you're planning some time, uh, some family time this summer to just be with your family and enjoy some time together. And uh, you will come home refreshed and uh, ready to go into a great fall season. I'm delighted today and honored to be back with people that I love. And um, uh, he was so kind to say, uh, Ron, uh, would you stay over and speak in the Wednesday night service also? So uh, I had to think about it about two seconds, and I said, uh, I'll be glad to stay over and just, just speak on Wednesday night and be uh, uh, a part of this great atmosphere uh, that we call home at CLC. Uh, this summer, we have been, on these summer Sundays, on a uh, particular journey, a study of what it means to... Uh, uh, come alongside some of the greats in Bible history. And one of the um, uh, great ways to, um, to really uh, uh, compare yourself is to measure yourself against some of these giants that, that are spoken of in the New Testament book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11 and 12 tell us the story of people that through their actions and their choices, not through their perfection, but through their actions and their choices, achieved uh, Hall of Fame status in the household of faith and the kingdom of God. And so today we're going to explore the life of another of God's great giants. Uh, it is a lady. Everybody give it up for the ladies in the house. I'd just like to go on record to say that the God that I'm going to talk about today is no respecter of persons. And uh, I will just go ahead and admit that we guys would be in big time trouble if we did not have the influence and the power and the spiritual tenacity of great God-called ladies that really are leading in the kingdom and the household of faith. And so today we're going to we're going to run with the giants a little bit further and we're going to talk about a lady by the name of Esther. She has an entire book 
written about her in the Old Testament. And we're going to be uh, studying her life and drawing from her life. What would it be like if some of these greats just came out of the stands, the grandstands of heaven, and walked with us on our journey for a lap or two? And I wonder what kind of questions we would ask them about what they did in certain situations because Scripture tells us that there's nothing that we face today that others have not already faced in life. There's nothing new under the sun and, 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 and all men are subject to experience life in its different aspects. I wonder what kind of questions we would ask some of these greats that we have been studying if they came out and walked with us on our journey. Hebrews chapter number 12 is our scriptural setting today for this message. The NIV version says, therefore, since we are surrounded, in other words, since there is such a host of people that uh, is watching us, and surrounds us, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out before us. Now, in response to the question about how we learn different things in life, I have personally come to the conclusion through uh, years of life and leading and living that there are only two ways to learn anything in life. And um, I have a certain amount of what I call Lyle'sisms, uh, principles that I have shared through my life and, and my 50-year ministry with people, and I believe to be true. And, and if you want something to write down or if you want something to tweet today, just make sure you give me credit for this because I did not borrow it from anyone else. This is a Ron Lyles-ism. And this is it. I have found that there are only two ways to learn in life. Either by listening to others who have walked the road before us, or we learn on our own by experience. And I will tell you which of those two methods of learning will cost you the most. If you are one that chooses to just learn by experience, that's a very good method to learn from. But get ready to pay the bill. Because it's going to cost you more if you're just hard-headed enough to learn on your own rather than opening up your ears and your heart and learning from others that have already gone down the road in front of you. 
And so I'm hoping today that before this message is over that I will have convinced some people that maybe we do need to run with the giants of the past and maybe we, we can learn something from those that have walked down the road in front of us. The one that we are studying today is a lady that I've already stated by the name of Esther. And Esther was a young lady that was struggling with two things in her life. She was struggling to find, first of all, her purpose in life. Is there anyone that has ever struggled trying to identify what you're supposed to be doing with your life? Could I see your hand? One, two, three. Oh, there are more in this room. The second thing that she was struggling with in her young life was how do I fulfill my purpose and what is my position and where am I supposed to be on this journey of positioning myself in order for my purpose to be unfolded and be fulfilled in my life. Well, let me just simply start today by saying That when you feel uncertain about your purpose, please rest assured that God always has a place for you. Let me just go on record as telling somebody this today that needs to hear it. There are no accidents with our God. And I don't believe that there is anyone in this service this morning at CLC that is merely here by accident. I believe that you are here right on time at this place at the right moment because God ordained for you to find your purpose and your position to be able to be great for Him. Now, This young lady that we're going to read about in just a moment, she was uncertain about her life, about her calling, what she was supposed to be doing, and yet she knew that she wanted to be on God's team. I don't know whether any of you have ever dealt and felt like that um, you were completely out of place with your culture or where you were in life. The Bible says of Esther in Esther chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, follow with me on the screens, and now there was a Jew who lived in the palace complex in Susa, and his name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjaminite. And his ancestors had been taken from Jerusalem with the exiles, and carried off with King Jehoiakim of Judah by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon into exile. And Mordecai had reared his cousin Hadassah, otherwise known as Esther, since she had no father or mother. And the girl had a good figure and a beautiful face. And after her parents died, Mordecai had adopted her. Well, the backdrop of this story is that this beautiful young lady by the name of Esther found herself in in very disconcerting circumstances. First of all, she found herself an exile. 
She was not being raised in the place that she was meant to be raised in a definitive uh, indigenous country and place because all of her people, the Jews, had been taken as exiles and slaves into Babylonian captivity. The second thing that she was dealing with in her young life was that she had lost both her father and her mother and she was orphaned at a young age. That can mess with your self-esteem and where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do with your life. And then she was adopted by her cousin Mordecai just to try to keep the family unit altogether. And so it is, she tried to blend in with her culture, but yet she felt completely out of sync with life itself. Now, I admit to this crowd this morning that there's been times and seasons like that in my life. Let me just pull back the uh, the scrim this morning and let you take a little look into Ron Lyle's life. Uh, I first felt this early on in my life because I have an older brother. And uh, uh, my older brother was bigger than I am. He was always stronger than I was. Uh, he was smarter than I was. He was always that overachiever, you know, straight A's, uh, every class, never made a B, uh, always prepared, uh, a book nerd, uh, uh, just, uh, uh, you know, a musician. I mean, he, he, he could play any instrument. And, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I took six years a piano, and I can't play chopsticks. But he won all the competitions, and, and he could play classical music, and he put himself through college teaching music, and, and it was always Wally Lyles this and Wally Lyles that. And he became a doctor, and, 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 and I would go into a class behind him, and they would say, oh, you're Wally Lyles' little brother, and... You're going to be great at chemistry and you're going to be great at physics and you're going to just be great at math. And I would make things like four on a chemistry test. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know I, I know that H2O is the chemical combination for water. But, uh, you know... I was always too interested in people and what made people tick. And so, you know what? I got all the hand-me-downs from Wally. And I wondered what my life was going to end up as. But could I tell you today that no matter who you are, and no matter where you come from, God's got a purpose for your life, and he's got a calling for your life. It really doesn't matter whether you were an exile or an orphan. It doesn't matter what your past has been. Could I bring you a word of good news and encouragement today in this house? 
that God wants you on his team. And God is not going to give up on you. But God has a calling and a purpose. And what God is trying to do in the summer of 2018 is to get your position right so that God can bring you to the kingdom, his kingdom, for such a time as this. This was the case. This was the case with Esther in the Old Testament. David learned this, another Old Testament character. And he wrote the words in Psalm 33 and 11. He said, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. And the purposes of his heart through all generations. I'm I'm preaching to all kinds of people here today. There's some of you that are new souls. Some of you are old souls. There's some of you that identify with that first church culture. You know, the churchy people that were here in first service. And then all you blended people. The next service at CLC, there's a whole lot of people that they hadn't heard a whole lot about God. They don't know that you're not supposed to go to church at noon on Sunday. (laughs) And so they just keep showing up. I want to just tell somebody today that there has never been a generation that God has given up on. And it really doesn't matter what generation you feel that you fit into or you don't fit into. Let me just tell you that God has a plan for your life. And you're in a place that you're supposed to be in today. And this study in the summer of 2018 is preparing you to just bulk up and begin to run a little bit with the giants of the Word of God that says, I am in the will and the purpose and the calling wherewith I am called. Let's look at Esther's life just a little bit and see what she would teach us. The first thing that this young lady would teach us from her journey is this. That finding your place in life with God requires, first of all, faith and trust. You know, we're living in, a, in an age and an hour that it's increasingly difficult to know who to have faith in and who you can trust. I've often said that as we race the rapture, it's going to be harder to find those things in our culture and in our society, faith and trust. Loyalty seems like it is no longer uh, um, uh, something that is cherished in our American culture. But can I tell you today that Esther would tell us on our journey, if we're going to run with the giants of, of the Bible and And if we were walking a lap in life with her, she would say, I learned at a very young age that I could, I could have faith in Jehovah God and I could trust him with my very life. If you're here in this service this morning, could I tell you that there will be seasons of your life when your life will be filled with ambiguity and uncertainty. 27 months ago, 
Sherry and our and my life was rocked to the very core. We were the, at the apex of what we thought was life and living. And I've told the story here at CLC of the loss of our beautiful daughter to a thing called suicide. There are those that I'm speaking to today that have, have experienced that in your own family structure and your own family life. It will shake you to the very core of your existence. Everything that I had told everyone else in life was now on trial and I had to somehow recalibrate my life. I'm glad to come back and report today that these months later that my hope and my trust and my faith has been fixed on Jehovah God. And I stand steady in my faith today because no matter what life deals The number one lesson of life is you've got to get up and you've got to look up and you've got to place your hope and your faith in someone that is trustworthy. And this is what Esther would tell us today. There is a thing called faith and hope. Trust. She said... Esther chapter 2 and verse 17 that this led to a strange circumstance in her young life. It led to a beauty contest. Could I tell you that it was not just a normal beauty contest, but God saw a young lady that was willing to trust him and a young lady to have faith in him, and God set her up in order to bless her people. The Bible says, and now the king was attracted to Esther, Esther 2.17, more than any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins, and so he set a royal crown on her head and made her the queen instead of Vashti. Oh, help me, Jesus. Don't underestimate a God that is in the replacement business. You thought you were there for a beauty contest, but God was fixing to elevate you to a place of influence. On this summer Sunday, I want to just teach somebody that no place is out of place when you are in God's place. Esther walked across the stage thinking that she was just flashing a smile and her natural beauty was to the eyes and the heart of the king but really God had a deeper purpose for her life because God was positioning her to be on his team. I wonder how many of you are here this morning and you thought you were just getting up to come to another Sunday service. But next week, the boss is going to come into your office and say, I've been watching your faithfulness and your commitment to the company and I'm going to give you a raise 
and I'm going to elevate you, don't be surprised when God begins to lift you up and lift you out. Because, ladies and gentlemen, it all starts when you lift your head in faith and trust that says, my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above that that I ask or think. The second thing that I noted in Esther's life was this, that finding your place will always demand many acts of courage, a spirit of courage. You know, courage is really not the absence of fear. There's not anybody here in this room that has not been frightened. You might be dealing with something today that really does frighten you. But you know what courage is? Is what you do in the face of that fear. Will you crumble? Will you give in? Will you throw in the towel? Or will you trust God that says, God, I don't know how this is all going to turn out, but I remember reading in Romans 8 a scripture that says that I know that God works all things together for the good of them that love him and that are the called according to his purpose. And if God's word declares that, then I am going to have the courage to believe that all things are not yet together in my world and my situation, but we're headed in that direction. And Esther said, I I thought I was here for a beauty pageant and I'm walking off with a crown on my head. I thought I was just here to entertain the king, but now I'm the new queen. I don't have any idea I'm an exile I'm from another land and another country. I'm an orphan. I don't even feel comfortable in this situation. But suddenly, God has taken me and placed me in a place for a reason and a purpose. Will I face it with courage? Well, at that time, she did not know that there was a powerful man in the kingdom by the name of Haman that had a diabolical plot in his heart and in his mind to actually take the life of our cousin Mordecai. And not only that, but he'd expanded his plot to expand it to trick the king into signing a decree for the annihilation of all of Esther's people. How would you feel today if if you knew someone was plotting to get rid of you and your family and your descendants and your people and all those that you loved and all those that you have done life with, and suddenly you find out that you are in a position to make a difference. And so she was visited, the scripture said, by her cousin Mordecai. And this is what he said. He said, Esther, this is, this is in my vernacular now. If you don't do something... If you don't stand up and have courage to say something, we're done and finished as a people. Could I just simply plant a seed in somebody's heart today that in the midst of a world that wants to silence the people of faith and the people of God, 
could I just simply declare today that we will not be silenced and we will not be quiet? For God has brought us to the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows? God has planted destiny in your heart and he's planted leaven in your spirit that simply says that God is going to give you that opportunity this week to plant the seed of hope in somebody's heart that was one time hopeless and God has brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this. Mordecai said, don't you realize that God's got you in the kingdom, in the position, in the place that you're supposed to be? Don't be afraid to jump into God's purpose for your life in this time. A decade ago, I came to this very pulpit and stood on this stage, and I preached a message that God had given to me about what I felt that God was going to do in this house. And it had to do with God blending the roles of both kings and priests together for a great revival and a great ingathering of souls. And I come back time after time and I see the fulfillment of that prophecy going on in this house because what God has done is God has allowed kings to come alongside Pastor Rex and this great church staff and all these pastors that lead on a regular basis at CLC. And through the power of blending the ministry of both kings and priests together, God has allowed this church to become a fearless source of influence in southwest Austin and all over this area that says we will trust in God and we will have faith and we will operate with a fearless sense of courage in our hearts and in our lives. Esther found out, number three, that finding your place requires great focus on God. We live in a world of a whole lot of ADD. It's real. Maybe that's what I suffered from all my life. Is I was just I, I was just so interested in everything around me. I was interested in people. My brother, you'd set him down in a room full of people with a book and he didn't he didn't ever notice anyone. Put me in a room full of people and I wanted to know every one of them's name. Shoot, I wanted to know all their children's names. Uh, it, it, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I just, my laboratory was people. And, uh, wow, I'm glad he went on to be an eye doctor. But shoot, I'm glad I went on to be a preacher. I see things that he's never seen. I see that when you focus on God, God can change circumstances. Esther said to Mordecai, you go back and gather all of our people together and you call a great prayer meeting and a time of fasting And while you're fasting and praying, 
I'm going to be fasting and praying right here in the palace. Let me say it this way. You better watch out when the people of faith and trust and courage come together and focus on Jehovah God because something's about to happen for the good. Hallelujah to God. I just want to declare to you today that there's something that happens when God sees that we are focusing on Him. Sometimes we get so scattered that our path is not clear, but God allows circumstances to come to our lives that bring us back to focusing our lives upon Him. Fourthly and finally, Esther would tell us that finding your place requires great initiative. Great initiative. Let me put it this way. Sometimes there comes times that you just have to follow Nike's byline. Just do it. You got to just do it. I was raised in the mountains of western Arkansas, the Washita Mountains and so help me God, we didn't know what a swimming pool was. But we knew what clear water streams were in those mountains. And man, summers like this, we spent summers at Board Camp Creek. We spent summers at Blue Hole and Blue Hole Ford, which was right up the creek. From Blue Hole. But our favorite place on hot summer days was a place called Big Fork. And Big Fork had water that was so crystal clear that you could see all the way to the bottom, about 15 or 16 feet deep. And I can see that 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 cliff on one side, and we we would we we would jump off that cliff, but on hot days, we would, our dad would, would take a bunch of us boys swimming at Big Fork Creek. And the water was actually so cold, ladies and gentlemen, that you could not play around with it. You couldn't just go out and stick your toe in it and say, I'm going to get adjusted to it. <laughs> You'd freeze to death that way. But we would pull up and we'd start slinging T-shirts kicking our shoes off and the only way to get adjusted to Big Fork was to just run full blast and just jump in water to swim in and you know what your fingernails you'd come up and they'd be purple and your toenails would be purple and your lips would be chattering Kind of like you were talking in tongues. You're speaking in another language and you were just in cold water. Could I just tell somebody here today, I've stopped by to say that if you're going to run with the giants spiritually, you got to lay aside every weight and the sin that would so easily entangle you 
And sometimes you've got to throw things aside and you've got to run and just plunge in to what God's got for your life and what God's got for you and your future. Come on, CLC. Why don't we simply say, we're going to run with the giants and we're going to plunge in to what God's got for us. I tell this story in closing. When I was 19, I was in college and uh, I thought I was the most mature 19-year-old in America. 147 pounds, ears that stuck, stuck out on my little head, looked like the back doors of a 49 Ford. But I had something going for me, I thought. I could date older girls. I didn't have to fool with those 15, 16, 17-year-olds. I could date older college girls. And one in particular was named Sherry Colley. All hundred pounds. She wore this yellow dress that messed my mind. But I did get her to go out with me. And so we dated. And at the end of the date, me being a red-blooded American male, wanting to carry this relationship just as far as I could carry it, I would lean over at the end of the evening to give her a good night kiss. And this young lady was so knowledgeable of the Word of God that she practiced the principle of always turning her cheek. And if that didn't work, she'd turn the other cheek. And that just drove me crazy. I wanted to kiss her on the lips. And so, this little routine went on. And I would lay awake at night wondering what was wrong with me that she would not acquiesce and kiss me on the lips and one night we were sitting in front of her parents house in my little 67 Volkswagen and I was just tired of this 
see, my point is, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you've just got to go for broke. You got to go for it. You got to have the courage, the initiative. You got to quit. Got to quit fooling around. And I turned to her and I said, Sherry, when are you going to kiss me? And I think it shocked her so bad. She said, well, I guess now. <laughs> Could I tell you that next month we will celebrate our 49th wedding anniversary? <laughs> Just a few days. What I'm trying to get across today in this sermon is that Esther would tell us, put your faith and trust in God. Don't be afraid to bulk up and have courage no matter what life deals you. Then understand that if you will focus on the right things in life, God will bring you to a place of initiative so that you say, now, I'm willing to plunge in all the way with God. Could I tell you that God called me at, us at, uh, at an early age to, to preach the gospel? And I felt all out of place much of my life because I didn't fit into the culture in school and, and my schoolmates because I knew that God had called me to a different purpose and a higher place. Could I tell you at 17 years of age, I said yes to God, and I said, Lord, wherever you want to take me and whatever you want to do with my life, then it's okay with me because I'm getting out from behind the wheel of my life, and I'm going to get in the back seat, and I'm going to let you take me where I need to go. Could I speak to somebody here today in this service that if you're willing to take a chance on God and you, you, you'll let go of your life and you'll get in the back seat God will take you places that you never dreamed of going in your life but it, it requires you of having the initiative to say as for me I'm willing to surrender to God could I close this service by asking you to stand with me today Although I grew up in a church that believed church was supposed to be a spectator sport, I'm so glad God has led me to a house like this that is not just made up of a bunch of spectators. You put your thumbprint on 20,000 meals last weekend in Servolution that 20,000 young Haiti children are going to have they're going to have the thumbprint of Austin, Texas on their life as they eat the food that you pack for their life this house is not a place where you can come and just be an observer or a spectator church I grew up in we came to hear people that were talented sing and people that were talented preach and and, and lead but all we were supposed to do was sit back and cheer 
Let me tell you today that if you're a part of this household, you're a part of the family of God. And God's purpose for your life is greater than being a spectator. God wants you to make a commitment that as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. And we're going to commit ourselves to being more than just observers of the things of God. Because in the summer of 2018, we're studying about the giants of the faith. And they would come out and say, don't be afraid to just go for it. Go for it. Go all in. These takeaways are what you need to remember today about this sermon. When you don't understand about life, stay steady. That's the first thing. Don't run from God. Run to God. When you don't understand what's going on in this season of your life, don't get nervous and give up on God. Just stand still. You'll see the salvation of the Lord. Stand steady. Secondly, when you realize God's purpose for your life, suddenly what will happen is that you'll begin to feel the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that will allow you to achieve what God's called you to and the anointing on your life. And thirdly, what you need to walk away from today is this. When you know God is in control, then it's a whole lot easier to just take the next step. God will never show you the end of the journey from the beginning. But God is always waiting on someone that is willing to trust Him enough for them to just take the next step. The next step. The next step. And I feel today in the Holy Spirit that I have spoke to someone today about what that next step is. Maybe there's someone here in this service this morning that maybe you have trusted Him to become your Savior. You believe that He went to that cross and He gave His life's blood for your salvation. But after He saved you, you have stopped short of making Him Lord of your life. Could I tell you today that he doesn't want to just be your Savior. He wants to become your Lord. And when he becomes your Lord, you will trust him with the good. You'll trust him with the bad. You'll trust him with the ugly of life. You'll trust him in every season of your life. When you say, Lord, I trust you with all of it. Because you're not just my Savior. And I'd like to ask every person under the sound of my voice to just bow your heads with me today. And I'd like to ask this simple question. Is there anybody in the house that would just lift your hand and say, Pastor Ron, I want to trust him as both Savior and Lord in my life. Would you just lift your hand right now? Would you lift your hand in the balcony? Would you lift your hand all over this room today if your desire is to know Him as both Savior and Lord? All over this room, there are hands that are up. I'm going to ask everyone else to just lift your hands with these that have raised their hands as a symbol of surrender to Him. 
this summer Sunday, I'm going to pray this prayer over you, that he is your all, he is your hope. Father, I believe what I have spoken today over this house and this congregation. I believe that we as people of faith have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I believe that there are individuals, Lord, that the enemy has stopped on their journey, Lord, in a season of not knowing how to go forward with their life. But this summer, we are learning, Lord, to run with the giants of the Bible in simply trusting you and having courage and focus and initiative to simply say, Lord, that as for me, I'm not going to be afraid anymore to just pull back the doors of my soul and simply trust you with my life going forward. And I ask, O oh God, in this house today that as we leave this service, that our hearts might be blessed with a hope and with a zeal that goes beyond these present-day circumstances and let us run with the giants with patience, looking unto Jesus, who is both the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name I pray this blessing. And could I hear a good amen? Would you clap your hands to the Lordship?